yeah, yeah. I never knew a la 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 a la like this. Gotta be something for me to write this, Queen. I ain't seen you in a minute. Wrote this letter and finally decide to send it. Signed, sealed, delivered for us to grow together. Love has no limit. Let's spin a slow forever. I know your heart is weathered by what studs did to you. It is the divisional round episode of DFS MVP. Holden Kushner alongside with 444.com's director of DFS, TJ Hernandez. Before we get started, what am I listening to here? Uh, we got one of the classics from uh, one of my favorite rappers, Common. That was The Light, a uh, Grammy-nominated single, The Light, from his 2000 album, Like Water for Chocolate. And if you guys enjoy that intro, as well as all of the other intros to the DFS MVP podcast, you could find those songs on the DF- DFS MVP Spotify playlist. Just go to Spotify, search DFS MVP, or look it up on my Twitter at TJ Hernandez. I'm always tweeting out the link along with the link to the podcast. I cannot name one common song. <laughs> well, we got one now. We got the light. So No, I just forgot what it was. I had to go look back at the paper. I was like, is the light common? No, it's actually common. <laughs> No, it's like water for chocolate. Excuse me. Yeah. Anyways, here's what we're doing in the playoffs. We're going through the main slate um, of the, I guess, DraftKings playoff slate because they only have this stupid one-day slates on yeah. FanDuel. You can play the four, but the prize pools just aren't that big in the yep. in the tournaments. And I don't know many people that are – do you even bother with cash in the playoffs? I don't. I mean, I, th- I think that uh, you can do a couple things. There's definitely some some merit maybe if you uh, if you just find like a single entry 50-50 or double up uh, to throw like quote there. You don't re- you're not really going to have an optimal lineup, but on, on a multi-day slate, um, I don't think you have to get too crazy with um, random players. So you can do some decent like 50-50 lineups. Uh, and then I, I do think on these short slates, we've talked about this before, there's some merit to uh, taking all of your tournament lineups and just throwing them in, in smaller sized in terms of uh, the buy-in, smaller sized 50-50s or double-ups, just kind of give yourself a hedge because you are if you're playing 100 lineups, you're probably going to have a fair amount that fall into that like 20 to 50% range where um, if you're in GPPs, they wouldn't cash, but they might cash in some 50-50s, so get a little bit of your money back. But, uh, I mean, I'm not playing like full um, full volume head-to-heads or anything like that. All right, so again, we got the different slates for FanDuel and DraftKings, mm-hmm. and I think it's just time to jump in, buddy. Let's yeah. do this. Vikings visiting the Niners. So the Niners are starting to get healthy a little bit. I think ever since D Ford went down, their defense took a step back. That being said, uh, D Ford might be playing this week. For the Vikings, yeah. you know, Dig says he's not 100%. I'm not worried about him. Thielen, what did Thielen do? He had stitches or he had something with yeah, his groin or his ankles. What? What? Stitches in his ankle, I believe. What's going um, on with this guy? He's Mr. Yeah, Glass. But, but it's sounding like he's, he's going to be a full go. Yeah. Um, I, I think the probably the most important thing of this game is that uh, down the stretch, the Niners' defense um, struggled quite a bit. They did play some really good quarterback competition, but they're pretty much across the board as close to full health as they're going to be. So we kind of um, we could kind of throw out some of those late season defensive numbers that we saw, I think to an extent in this one, because Niners are pretty healthy. The Niners are healthy. And again, I mean, if, if D Ford's out there and I think that was the biggest loss because they Mm -hmm. were without Ford and they were without Richard Sherman for a couple games. Yep. And that's when their defense started to take a hit. I'm not going to sleep on their defense in this game, especially if D Ford is back, but San Francisco, seven point favorites at home. The totals 44, Again, we got some low totals and we got yep. some big spreads like seven's not even yep. the biggest. So right. how are we looking at this? Use the lines. How do we look at it? We'll start at quarterback Jimmy G. I yeah. mean, my player pool, this is interesting. And I wonder if this is the way it is for you. My player pool on a smaller slate like this is much bigger than it would be on a large slate because just about everybody's in play, right? Everybody's in play, but you, you um, there. So there's a couple things in play. Like we said, this um, there, there's two different main slates. FanDuel has the single day slates. Um, on on those, I think a lot more everybody is going to be in play. Um, 
from every single team just because it's going to be really hard to get contrarian. So if you're playing FanDuel main slates, um, especially like the way it sets up this week, so much ownership is going to be on Lamar and the Ravens. And then on on Sunday, so much ownership is going to be on that Chiefs game that you can can justify having access to almost uh, any of the players on on any of the teams on those one-game slates. We still have eight teams to choose from on the multi-day slate. Um, so I, I think from a player pool perspective, um, I don't know if it's necessarily going to be bigger. I think it might be relatively bigger. So just the percentage of players I'm going to have access to compared to the uh, number of available players will be bigger. I'm not like if I have, I don't know, say a a 35 to 40 player pool on a full slate, I'm not going to have like availability to 60 players on this slate. Um, but I might just have a few uh, less than I would on the full slate. But I think the thing that we kind of need to uh, shift our thinking on 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 these uh, like a four game slate is what you're looking for from low ownership. So you don't necessarily need a five percent guy at all, even in a big tournament. I think if you find uh, a three or, or not even three or four, maybe two or three guys that are 15 percent or less owned. Uh, I think you could take down some of the, even the biggest tournaments. Um, so you don't need to like go crazy, go off the board just because it's a short slate. We're going to go through these games and find out that there are players that are, are good names that are still not going to be in a ton of lineups, even though, though there's only four games. So that's one thing we want to be thinking about. And uh, the 49ers is, is kind of the place to start with that thinking. Well, let's do it, man, with the Niners. Jimmy G, uh, Kittle's going to be very, very mm-hmm. popular. Yep. Uh, Raheem Mostert is another option there. I guess if you're going to, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. We can talk about wide receiver in a second. Give me your take on Jimmy G first. Yep. So what I like to do is, like I said, on, on these slates, it's it's pretty obvious that um, uh, Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes they're going to dominate ownership. So what I want to go, what I want to do is go through. Um, all of these games and say, where am I going to find a place where I can be overweight in terms of a team or a quarterback stack or an offense? And uh, I'll usually just end up with, I don't know, probably exposure to uh, four, maybe five of the quarterbacks and just completely fade um, three or four of the other quarterbacks and, and hope that I hit. And the 49ers are one of the offenses that I want to be um, overweight on. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is a player that if you're playing FanDuel only, you can use them to offset the San Francisco pass catchers because uh, on on Saturday there just aren't a lot of good receivers on uh, the Ravens that you're going to rely on. So it's going to drive up the ownership of the uh, 49ers pass catchers a little bit. Um, but just on the full slate, this is just going to be a contrarian stack across the board. And what we're looking here for is a ceiling opportunity. So we know that the Niners are favored by seven at home. They have a decent implied point total of 20 five and a half and Jimmy Garoppolo he has he has a low floor but he also has a very high ceiling if we look at the the top 40 fantasy performances by quarterback this year Jimmy Garoppolo accounts for three of those only Lamar Jackson and Deshaun Watson have accounted for more top 40 performances by a quarterback this year so there's obviously a ceiling there for Jimmy Garoppolo and he's a one of the three or four quarterbacks that I want to be overweight on this week that is fascinating I didn't know about the ceiling play there. I knew he had a couple blow up games, but I didn't know that it was uh, that extreme. So if you're pairing somebody up, you got to figure out. So Kittle's obviously going to be popular. Then I got to figure out, am I going with Sanders? Am I going Debo Samuel? Is Kendrick Bourne going to catch a touchdown? He doesn't really have a ceiling. So who are we putting with him? Yeah, uh, so Kittle's going to be the obvious one, um, and then it just kind of depends on your preference. Do you want to um, fade Kittle and go with one of the pass catchers, or do you want to go with a, a all-out um, uh, team stack here? And and I think both are viable options, but Minnesota's a team that finished 27th in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed uh, to wide receivers, and Emmanuel Sanders, if we look at 4-for-4, four four, if we look at the full slate, he projects as a top-three wide receiver value on both sides on the full slate. Uh, Debo Samuel, is he's he's been consistent. He's kind of been their number one down the stretch in terms of 
usage. Him and Sanders have been kind of neck and neck in terms of target share. Samuel's been getting some uh, work in the running game. But we've seen Emmanuel Sanders is the player that has had uh, the blow-up spots. And he's the one, because he is a little cheaper, that I'm going to be targeting over uh, Debo Samuel if I'm looking for these Jimmy Garoppolo 49er stacks. So that's the Niners side. Mm -hmm. Running game. Raheem Mostert is the number one running back there. I mean, it's as simple as that. To me, if you're going to play one of the other guys, whether it be Breda, who's fumbled a couple of weeks ago and Shanahan lost trust in him, Mm -hmm. or it's even Tevin Coleman, maybe you're just hoping that Mostert has an injury or it's a five-touchdown game in the fourth quarter because I have a hard time rolling anybody else in that backfield out there besides for Mostert. Yeah, we'll get to this uh, a little bit later with some of these later games. But again, just thinking about this full full slate, um, I think you really need to think about exactly what you're doing when you're uh, running out these uh, your your running back builds. Um, I don't think you should just blindly throw out Mostert because he is a value, um, because the Niners are big favorites, because Mostert comes with some risk. He didn't see uh, 60% of the snaps in any of the 49ers final four games. I think the most important thing that you need to think about when you're rostering Mostert is do I want to use him in the spot as a pivot play because he's priced almost exactly the same as Damian Williams on the full slate on both FanDuel and DraftKings so Mostert isn't a play that I necessarily want to be overweight on uh, compared to his projected ownership I think it might come somewhere like in a 20% range on the full slate Um, but because of that low snap rate I'm not trying to force myself to be overweight on him I'm just looking for spots where if I don't want to use Damian Williams who I, I do think will be the chalk running back and and just the way lineups are are, are built this um this week i I think we're probably just going to see i'll I'll jump ahead here damian williams and aaron jones will be the chalk running backs uh with with people trying to pay up for um the other two big names uh kind of in a contrarian spot but mostert is just a pivot for me off damian williams that's the main reason i'm using him and then you mentioned tevin coleman i think we just want to use him as um, a low owned dart throw because he's really you you mentioned that they kind of lost a little bit of faith in breda and if we look down the stretch Coleman's the only guy besides Mostert that got any touches inside the 10-yard line. So you're just hoping him to steal a touchdown or two. Um, but I'm really not looking to to get fancy at running back in this spot. Again, just to pivot off Damian Williams because of that price point. Okay, so we got um, that side taken care mm-hmm. of with San Francisco. The Vikings. Mm-hmm. Dalvin Cook can blow up. Stephon yep. Diggs can blow up. He's going to play. He's just a little bit sick. Yep. You know, Thielen, we're expecting him to play. Um you know what? Last week, Thielen had a big game, and Kyle Rudolph caught a touchdown. So, yes, you know, did. that really hadn't had – the tight end was kind of dead when Thielen was in there, but Rudolph, I guess, is now a favorite of of Kirk Cousins. Um, how do we attack this team, the Vikings? Because, I mean, if you're if you're taking a stab at Kirk Cousins, very low ownership. Probably the lowest owned quarterback, mm-hmm. right? Or do you think it'll sure. be Garoppolo? Um, no, Tana? no. I think the lowest owned quarterback will probably be Tannehill. Okay. And then Cousins um, and then Garoppolo. And then, Cous- and then Cousins. And then, uh, I think Garoppolo, I think Garoppolo and the quarterbacks in the, um, in the Seahawks Packers game, um, those three will all kind of be grouped as like basically the fourth quarterback in ownership. Hmm. Um, I think Watson will be like the clear third number three in ownership. And then those other three guys will just kind of be all the fourth with kind of similar ownerships. Okay. Very good. So we got mm-hmm. that. So tell me about this Viking side here, how high or low are you on Dalvin cook? Do you use any game stacks? What are we doing with Minnesota? Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned the game stacks. This, this is something that's really important. You talked about, we're going to, we're going to have a access to um, a huge percentage of the player pool and this is where when this is kind of the difference in these small slates compared to the full slates where in a full slate, you can narrow down your player pool, um, put in a couple restrictions on a lineup generator and hit generate and be somewhat comfortable if you're locking in stacks with what that lineup generator will spit out for you on a full slate. Uh, on a short slate, I think we need to be a little more precise in exactly the way we're attacking our player pool. So even though there are quite a few players I'm going to have access to um, in this game, I already mentioned that I want to, I, I like the Niners as uh, kind of an overlooked team to stack. There, 
the three primary guys on offense of the Vikings. Um, they're, they're two pass catchers and Dalvin Cook. I'm going to have access to, but they're not an offense that I want to stack. They're players that I prim- primarily want to use as um, as one-offs, and kind of, not dart throws, but just players that uh, I want to use for differentiation in my lineup. So Dalvin Cook, starting with the, the star on their team, he's our top value uh, across all positions on both sides if we're looking at the full slate. Um, in lineups where you're paying up at the running back position, he's going to be my priority over um, Derrick Henry, but it's close. I think the important thing to note about Dalvin, and we'll get to Derrick Henry obviously later, is that paying up for running backs very much like last week, I think that's going to be the contrarian build because, as I mentioned already, uh, I, I think Damian Williams and Aaron Jones are probably going to be the chalk. People are going to look to be paying up for uh, Lamar or Patrick Mahomes. And also, we haven't got this far yet, but this is a very premium tight end week. We have three premium tight ends, and I, I think a lot of people are going to uh, make it a priority to get to those pass catchers. Uh, so we're going to see expensive quarterbacks in the very balanced lineups as the chalk build. So paying up for running back is going to be the contrarian build this week. So even though Dalvin Cook is our top standalone value and him and Derrick Henry are probably the favorites to lead the weekend in touches, uh, I, I don't think either of them will exceed like 30% ownership this week. Um, so this is kind of what we talked about last week. We were a little bit off on how we thought the game flows would go. But one thing that we did note is that if you're going to be contrarian, be contrarian in your build. And what we said was if you pay it for Dalvin Cook and Derrick Henry together, that's going to be very contrarian. That obviously, if you did that last week, you had a huge week. And I think you have to have similar thinking this week. That's the only lineup that cashed for me out of all mine. <laughs> yep. I mean, I just got blitzed. Last. I, I'll be completely transparent with you. I got my ass kicked yep. last week. And the only one I did a YOLO lineup in like a $5 entry. And I was like, okay, let's just put ceiling guys in there. Yeah. Dalvin Henry. I think I had AJ Brown in there and then some scrubs. And um, you know what, man, paying up a tight end on FanDuel never seems to be a bad idea. You know, maybe this <laughs> uh, week, the week is to go with double tight end, a tight uh, end and a flex. Who knows? Abs- absolutely. We haven't got that far yet, but I think that's absolutely a way to be um, a little bit different this week because I, I don't think the, this week sets up to be um, contrarian at tight end from like a single um, um, low owned spot. I think that's probably the most uh, profitable way to, to be contrarian this week with tight ends. Um, and while we're on the subject of tight end, since we're on the Vikings, uh, even though we did see Kyle Rudolph uh, score last week, uh, one we talked about uh, the 49ers getting healthy. One of the underrated uh, players that they might be getting back this week is Jaquiski Tart. So um, he's over going back to the beginning of 2018. Uh, shoot, even back to 2017, been one of the best cover safeties in the league, especially against tight ends. So that only lowers my prospects for uh, Kyle Rudolph. All right, so let's move on. We done there? Um, I, I if. I did want to mention, you mentioned Stephon Diggs. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw him throw the temper tantrum on the sidelines a little bit. Uh, if uh, matchups hold as expected, he'll spend a little bit more time against Akella Witherspoon, who's allowing the second most fantasy points per target among cornerbacks in the divisional round. And even though uh, Adam Thielen is questionable, I do expect him to be a little bit higher owned than Diggs because of his big game last week. So uh, th- I think that sets up for an obvious pivot. And Diggs... Uh, uh, is probably my top in like that middle tier range. He's probably my top low owned target of the week. I, huh. I think he'll be in uh, well under 20% of lineups and I want to be way overweight on him. If you have like 30 to 40% digs, I think that's a really big leverage spot. Titans at the Ravens, mm-hmm. Baltimore, uh, nine and a half, 10 point favorites. Their totals of 28 and a quarter. The only big injury in this one that I see is Mark Ingram. Yep. His calf still bothering him. It, it tightened up in practice during the week. To me, it's a little concerning. They say he's going to play, mm-hmm. but they had the buy and it's still bothering him. So yep. we can get to that in just a minute. But let's just start with Lamar. He is, uh, just to use the old fantasy cliche, he's Konami code. This (laughs) is what this guy is doing. He should be the highest-owned quarterback. He won't be the the highest-owned quarterback for me. You've got to have some Lamar Jackson, no doubt about it. But he's he might have the safest floor on the whole slate. Oh, for sure. I mean, he's had this. He he's had the safest floor on on full slate. So if you put him on a short slate, I don't think that's um, that's much of an argument. 
even though this is probably going to be the most popular game for the quarterback position because of Lamar, uh, there's actually n just not a ton of fantasy goodness in this one in terms of individual players because of how much Lamar runs, how much of the offense he accounts for. Um, we've seen him win GPPs um, just using Lamar naked or just with uh, with one of his pass catchers. As great as this offense is with Lamar, from a fantasy and GPP perspective, they're just not an offense that you have, you're really looking to stack multiple plays from. I think it's Lamar and one other player from his offense um, because he's liable to score two touchdowns with his legs. It's just it's very hard for this offense to produce three or more guys that have a blow up spot like we see uh, from the Chiefs. Uh, so I think it's very important to note that if you are building your teams, you need to be thinking about it in those terms. So with Lamar, he's going to be the highest on quarterback on the slate. And then stacking him with Mark Andrews is the most obvious play. The Titans really struggled against tight ends uh, this year. Andrews can hold his own right up there with Kittle and Kelsey in terms of ceiling. I think on the full slate, Kittle and Kelsey will slightly outpace Andrews in terms of ownership, but he will be the clear number three three and like we talked about i i don't think with those three elite tight ends this week there's any point in getting cute at tight end but what you can do is uh flex one of those guys and then in lineups where you aren't looking for andrews uh the titans they have allowed the second most completions on deep balls those are balls that have th are thrown 20 plus yards downfield of any of the remaining defenses in the league. So Marquise Brown is a play that I like to be way overweight on. Uh, people are going to be high on Lamar. They're going to be high on Mark Andrews. Marquise Brown is a player that's going to save you a ton of salary no matter what slate you're playing. And again, I just because uh, nobody outside of Andrews sees a ton of volume, I don't think we are going to see Brown draw a ton of ownership. I think on the Saturday only slate, uh, you might need like 50% to be overweight just because there aren't a ton of great pass catchers on, on Saturday only slate. But on the full slate, if you use them in 25 or 30% of your lineups, I, I think you'll be uh, way overweight on the field. And then in your non-Lamar Jackson lineups, uh, Marquise Brown's probably one of my favorite one-off players on this team. So here's the question. What are we mm -hmm. doing with Hollywood Brown or any pass catcher, right? Because yeah. we haven't seen much out of Brown. Now, he's had numerous injuries throughout the season. He hasn't been able to stay healthy. If you remember, what was it, week one, maybe even you know a couple weeks earlier in the season, he just blew up. Yep. Like, if you're putting 10 lineups in, yep. can you use another receiver from the Ravens besides for Mark Andrews? Uh, and just Marquise Brown, just he's the only other one. Okay. Um, I, there just isn't another there isn't another player um, that that sees enough volume. None of those secondary tight ends. Um, no other receivers besides Brown. Like I said, if, if it's Saturday only, if you're playing 10 lineups, I think you can roll out Brown in three. And he doesn't necessarily have to be in every um you can use them in lineups that aren't Lamar lineups. And if it's the full slate, um, I'm sorry, if it's Saturday slate, you can use them in like four or five lineups. If it's the full slate, I think you can use them in two or three. Um, but uh, none of the other guys besides Brown and Andrews. Okay. So let's move on to the other side of things. And well, you know what? I got to get to Ingram real quick. Cause okay. I, I mentioned him before and I want you to talk about Ingram. If he is out, first of all, yep. what are his prospects? If he plays, if he is out, what do you do with Edwards and Hill? Uh, if Mark Ingram is out, I don't expect Edwards to necessarily just come in and get all of the Ingram usage. I think it'll be split up between him and to a lesser extent, Hill. I do think Edwards will still be the RB one, but the thing is Lamar already accounts for such a high percentage of their running attack that, uh, I'm not just, I'm not going to Edwards will not be a chalk running back and he's not a player that I'm going to force to be overweight on. I'm just going to kind of use him sparingly. But if Ingram does play, it's kind of the same line of logic that I talked about at the top with this Baltimore Ravens offense as a whole, because Lamar accounts for so much of the offense, you're just looking at Ingram and looking for touchdown variants. So again, I'm not going to throw Mark Ingram into a team stack with the Ravens. The way I want to use Mark Ingram is use him with Lamar and no other pass catchers in hopes of cornering all of the Ravens touchdowns. Maybe Lamar just runs for one, throws one, and then Ingram throws two. That's like the ideal scenario because none of the pass catchers really blow up 
or use Mark Ingram as a one-off play in lineups where you aren't using any Ravens. Maybe in your Patrick Mahomes uh, or your Deshaun Watson's text, you use Mark Ingram as one of your running backs. Hope touchdown variance just goes crazy his way. And, you know, maybe Lamar just throws for one, runs for one, and doesn't throw for 300 yards. Has a good game, but not an insane game. And that's where uh, Ingram is a good play. And again, okay. it's with with because there's so much touchdown equity. Like even though he's he's hurt, um, and there's that concern of usage, we're just look we're really looking for that touchdown variance. If you're playing Ingram, like we're not expecting to get 120 yards and five catches out of him, out of him. We're hoping to get two touchdowns. All right, so that's the Ravens side. Let's get to the Tennessee side. Mm-hmm. So they go in to New England. They didn't do much offensively uh, outside of that running back guy. And he was pretty good. And Henry has got to be in the pool every single week. I don't care how good a mm-hmm. team is against the run. This guy can just run over anybody. So I think when we start with the Titans, we got to start with him. So the question for me is your exposure to Derrick Henry. Mm-hmm. So, again, yeah, again, with uh, going back to what we talked about with Dalvin Cook, because I think people are going to be paying up for the positions that I mentioned, I believe that the running back, uh, the expensive running back, is going to be a relatively contrarian build. So if you want to be overweight on Derrick Henry, I don't think you need to force him into 50, 60 of your 100 lineups. You probably only need him in like 30 of your 100 lineups. And what people might, the the line of logic that I've heard the most on, on Twitter and listening to other podcasts is that if the Titans keep this game close, that it's going to be um, because they use Derrick Henry to slow down the game. And this is actually, this is probably just going to be like, like this should be a relatively low possession game on both sides because both teams are going to run a lot. So that's just going to keep the clock moving and, and lead to fewer possessions. But the common perception is Titans are going to use Henry to slow down the game, hopefully keep the game close and that should limit Lamar. So uh, the next line of logic would be that if that is the situation, then you don't necessarily, then it's, it's going to limit Lamar and you probably don't have a lot of upside in this game, but we're looking for the outlier scenario in these GPPs, right? We're not looking for the most likely thing. So one thing that we know so far about Derrick Henry and how great he's been is he has a lot of big playability. So even though the most likely thing to happen if two running teams are playing each other is that they're going to slow the game down. If Henry hits a home run and all of a sudden he has a line where because of one big play, he has 120 and a touchdown, you can play him with Lamar because they can go, they're can they so good on the ground that they can go back and forth on the running game. So uh, Lamar Jackson, Derrick Henry is a very non-traditional build, uh, two expensive players that I don't think a lot of people are going to pay for in the same lineup, and one that I think could pay off really handsomely this week. So I don't think you need to think about Derrick Henry too much. All right, if no. he's go, he don't. Here's what I've learned this year that I really dug into. Don't sit, <laughs> never sit your studs. Don't worry about a stud running back going up against a top shelf running defense mm-hmm. because I think you need to look a little deeper at the offensive line versus the defensive line and things like that. And when you have an elite talent like this with breakaway speed, when he's that big, he can hit that home run against anybody. So I exactly. think from a fantasy perspective, and I don't want to get into sit your stud season long because it kind of sounds like that, but it's not. It's just in a DFS world where we're trying to win as much money as possible, we need the guy with the highest ceiling. And Derrick Henry has that no matter what defense he's playing. And we saw Absolutely. it last week. Absolutely. All right. So that's my spiel. Um, AJ Brown is the only pass catcher that I want to target from Tennessee. Can I throw can I throw Johnu in there or Tajay Sharp or Corey Davis? The um the the Ravens have been one of the best teams against uh, tight ends in the league, and even though I liked Johnu last week just because of how weak tight end was, uh, tight end is really strong this week, and Johnu is on the field the most, but the, he's just not getting starter targets. Um, so AJ Brown is the closest thing to a core play on the Titans outside of Derrick Henry, um, just because the Titans are. L- 
most likely as 10-point underdogs, we'll have to throw a little bit more than they would like to, and A.J. Brown is obviously the leader in target share there. We have him as a top-four value on DraftKings at wide receiver, so you could justify him as a volume play there. Um, the reason he can hit, even if Tannehill doesn't have a big game, is because Baltimore blitzes at a very high rate, which um, leads to a lot of, of man coverage and or one-on-one -on -one coverage, and they're able to do that because especially after they got Marcus Peters, they have very good perimeter corners, so that could still limit A.J. Brown, but anytime you have an NFL receiver one-on-one -on -one that's as good as A.J. Brown, they have a chance to bust one off. So uh, I, I think probably being on par with A.J. Brown's ownership is fine, uh, maybe something like 15 to 20 percent of your lineups. Um, the, the one weakness that Baltimore has shown is their middle of the pack in terms of fantasy points per game allowed to wide receivers line up in the slot. Uh, and that is where Tajay Sharp lines up. And again, with those those heavy blitz packages and a lot of single coverage, uh, Tajay Sharp is is an absolute dart throw. I mean, he's near minimum salary. He's not a core play. But if I have um, 100 lineups, if I use him in three or even four as a one-off, not as a, a stack, uh, you're you're probably uh, I, I don't think he's going to be in more than three or four percent of, of lineups across the board. Yeah, he had six targets in a big game against New mm -hmm. Orleans. What yep. Was it three weeks ago? Yep. I am um, I, I'm with you on the dart throw there. I mean, it's yep. nothing, nothing more than that. So we yeah. just haven't seen consistent. But it, it is it is important to to recognize who because again it's it goes back to planning our flags on these plays, recognizing who these dart throws are. Um, so we're just not blindly mashing hit uh, generate lineups in these lineup generators when we have our player pool knowing that if we're going to have a one-off Tajay Sharp could be one of them from this game all right very good I'm buying into that man uh let's move on to the Texans and the Chiefs unless you have anything else to say about the Ravens and the Titans are you ready to move on let's keep it moving let's do it love this game Kansas City nine and a half ten point favorites depending on where you shop they're going to score 30 points according to Vegas um a lot of people are going to be stacking this game from yep. top to bottom, right? So Absolutely. starting with the Chiefs side, I mean, everybody, right? Mahomes is mm -hmm. in play. Damian Williams has been a big part of the offense. Kelsey definitely in play. Tyreek Hill, ultimate ceiling play. Um, Watkins, Hardman, I guess we got to start talking about those guys mm -hmm. as far as the dart throws go. But tell me about the Chiefs. Your thoughts on the Chiefs because – I think everybody on this team that I just mentioned should have high ownership. I maybe do, not Hardman, maybe not. No, Hardman. no, no. But the 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 big four for the Chiefs: their quarterback, their running back, their tight end, their wide receiver. They should be the highest owned player at all of their respective positions. Um, obviously, there it's it's likely that Lamar outpaces Mahomes, um, but. I don't think the gap will be huge. And I do think if you're playing some some higher stakes, lower field tournaments, that there is a chance that people in if if you're like in a I don't know, let's just say like a three hundred five or five hundred dollar one hundred man, I wouldn't be surprised if some some good thinkers kind of out leverage themselves or try to out-level each other, and we see Mahomes slightly higher owned um, in Lamar than Lamar in some of these smaller GPPs. Um, like in the Millie Maker or whatever, I think it'll be Lamar by a pretty decent margin, maybe by like 5%. But the takeaway here is that the Chiefs are going to be the highest owned team across the board um, of the week. And the thing that you want, the, the big decisions that we want to make relative to this game are are you going to be more overweight on Mahomes or are you going to be more overweight on Lamar Jackson? And then how are you going to leverage these popular plays for the Chiefs? So I think probably just from a um, from a, a meta game standpoint, the savvy move is to be a little more overweight on Mahomes than Lamar. And that's like not to say that it's necessarily he's necessarily a, a better projection play but if we assume let's assume that Lamar and Mahomes each make up about 35% uh ownership at quarterback on on the full slate maybe you have 50% Mahomes and just 35% Lamar um to make up uh you know most of your lineups where most people might have that flip-flop and then dedicate the rest to whatever other two quarterbacks you like um, or you can even just do like a 40-30 split with those two guys. Whatever you see fit, but just being a little more heavy on Mahomes, I think might be the move this week. 
Hmm. Man, I love the Mahomes. There's yeah. just there's some quarterbacks that I really love. I mean, I love Jackson. I love Mahomes. Watson's a guy we're going to talk about. You mm-hmm. brought up Garoppolo. Yep. I mean, and don't forget, I mean, Aaron Rodgers, if Seattle ever jumped out to a lead, the guy can still throw the football. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am cousins in Tannehill. Um, very low ownership there. But um, let's look at leverage opportunities from this yep. game. Uh, so the most obvious ones is uh, I already talked about being uh, heavier on Mahomes than you are on Lamar. And then I I believe Deshaun Watson and, and the Texans passing game, obviously because we're, we're going to be so heavy on uh, the Chiefs that they'll be naturally a little bit under owned. So even though this game is a full game stack will be very popular, uh, I think Mahomes will be in two to three times as many lineups uh, then Deshaun Watson on the full slate, uh, probably closer to two times as much on the one day slate and then closer to three times as much as Watson um, on the full slate. So the savvy thing to do is if you are stacking this game to have a good amount of Watson as your quarterback, even if you are heavy uh, on the Chiefs players here, uh, going Watson over over Mahomes and a, and a fair amount of those lineups is a way to get a little bit of leverage on the field. Yeah, Watson's a great play there, especially if he decides that he has to do everything on his own again. Mm-hmm. A nice 100 yards rushing, right? So um, here's the deal, though, with their their passing game with the Texans. Fuller's always limited. He was limited again, mm-hmm. and Stills is limited. So yeah. This is fascinating. Like, one of these two guys has to play, right? I would it, think Stills, but if Fuller's in there... Don't you have to just take a shot on Fuller because Absolutely. of the explosiveness? The other, he's as likely though to get hurt and hurt his hamstring during the game as he is to have an explosive play, or maybe more likely to get hurt again. I mean, he. It, it sounds like they're both trending towards playing. Fuller was was limited um, in practice. We're recording this this Thursday night, but uh, the the blurbs that I saw sounds like he's uh, he's most likely to play. But I mean, just his presence alone is going to his speed and, and deep threat is going to open up this offense and and should just at, if anything uh, boosts uh, Deshaun Watson's value. But uh, I'll I'll definitely be building lineups with fuller in there because even if he is active i don't think he'll be in more than like 15 to 20 percent of lineups uh with a contingency plan so there's enough players available where if he's ruled out uh you could pretty easily uh late swap to kenny stills or to uh to sammy Watkins on the other side if you want to do that even if fuller does play i think it's it's worth mentioning that Kenny Stills is still going to be worth a dart throw. If Fuller is r- somehow ruled out, then Stills is someone that you might want to use in like 15 to 20% of your lineups. But even if uh, Will Fuller does play, I think it's worth rolling out Kenny Stills in in maybe like 5% of your lineups because slot cornerback Kendall Fuller for the Chiefs allowing the most fantasy points per target among divisional round corners. So um, that is a, a possible matchup to exploit, even though Stills is um, not a reliable play. He's, he's one that... Uh, you only need in a couple lineups for him to blow up. Does this seem like not a lot of people are talking about Tyreek Hill? Uh, no, I, I think he'll be the highest on receiver of the week. The highest on receiver. Yeah, yeah, I, I believe so. Okay, so then there's Sammy Watkins, who's averaged mm-hmm. two targets a game over his last six. Yeah. So he had, what, nine for 198 and three touchdowns in week one. Mm-hmm. And he had a couple of games where he had double-digit targets too, but... He's just been an afterthought, man. So basically yep. what we're hoping here is he catches a deep ball and scores for the first time since week one. Yep. What you need on these short slates, um, on these offenses that are going to blow up, you just need somebody that is is going to be on the field. We're not when, – when there's only four games going, you're not always going to be able to find the cheap guy that's getting the volume you're looking for. Um, but what we can look for – is a player on the best offense of the weekend that's on the field a lot that isn't going to be highly owned. Sammy Watkins is Damian Williams was hurt um, down the stretch. So Sammy Watkins is the only player besides Mahomes, Tyreek and Travis Kelsey to play at least 80% of the snaps over the last month uh, for looking at skill position players for the chiefs. So Sammy Watkins is a player that uh, he's on the field. He's, 
pretty cheap, 5,200 Fandle, 4,300 DraftKings. We'll see most of his work against Vernon Hargraves, who uh, him and Gary and Conley are the third and fourth uh, worst cornerbacks this weekend if we look at fantasy points per target allowed. So uh, Watkins is the other two guys. I mean, Miko Hardman and uh, Demarcus Robinson. They're just, I mean, they're straight up dart throws. But if you're if you're looking for um, a play in this game stack, it's it's Sammy Watkins. Okay, so Sammy Watkins is the guy there on the Houston side. Anybody that you can scroll down the salary a little bit, maybe a little Duke Johnson, mm-hmm. who was actually in that one lineup by one. He 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 helped me out a little bit last week. I think the salary, what is it, forty seven hundred on DraftKings? You can't really complain with that, especially if if the uh, Texans are down, they're going to have to use him. Yeah, I mean, if if Carlos Hyde doesn't score that touchdown last week. Um, it's an absolutely atrocious line. 16 carries, one catch, 53 total yards. Duke Johnson had 15 more yards on a third of the touches, 68 total yards on six touches. So they're going to need that explosiveness in there. Um, I specifically want Duke Johnson in my Deshaun Watson stacks because uh, that's just kind of one of those game flow builds. If they are behind and they need to be throwing and they're using Duke Johnson or if they're just trying or if it turns into a shootout, uh, Johnson's probably going to be a big part of that. So I'm prioritizing him um, as as my play overhide uh, as as a flex option. I don't think you need to get super cute on on the full slate because we do have. Again, on the full slate, we have Aaron Jones, we have Damian Williams, uh, we have Derrick Henry, we have Dalvin Cook. There's a lot of really good running backs. You don't need to force in a um, uh, a, a third running back like Duke Johnson, but he does uh, have uh, – he is a really good flex option. And then if you're playing the Sunday-only slate, uh, definitely a flex option with only Aaron Jones and Damian Williams as the dominant running backs on the, on the Sunday-only. We done with that game? Uh, it's worth noting, um, even though – uh, obviously the Chiefs are, are the offense with the highest projected point total of the week. Houston defense all the way down at $2,000. They're priced way below any other defense. Uh, so, I mean, just having somebody like J.J. Watt that could get after the quarterback, if they if they luck into a strip sack fumble uh, touchdown um, at $2,000, that just opens up a ton of salary on DraftKings. We've talked about it so much with DraftKings dropping that uh, price floor this year. Obviously, earlier in the year, we were talking about like $1,500, $1,600 defenses, but uh, there's some merit to just rostering Houston's defense at 2 k just for the price savings alone. Okay, so we move on to our fourth and final game. Mm-hmm. I am actually more excited about this game than any of the other ones. And you're going to go, why? Because we got the Texans and the Chiefs. That's going to be awesome. And, uh, you know, the other two games besides for that are awesome too. But I just love watching great quarterbacks. And maybe Aaron Rodgers is not the same guy that he was, but he's one of the greatest we've ever seen. Russell Wilson at the top of his profession right now. Two great quarterbacks. Lowest spread of any game. Mm -hmm. Uh, Green Bay's laying four at home. They have a nice uh, implied total here. Do they really have 25 and a half implied? Uh, the Packers do, yeah. Oh, my God. I didn't even notice that. I mean, I was looking at I was thinking 22, 23, 25 and a half. All right, so let's do this. We got. Let's start a running back, though. I love the quarterbacks, but running back. Jamal Williams is coming back. You've got LaFleur talking about how he loves having Williams in there on third down because he's a terrific blocker. We love that Aaron Jones has terrific hands and can catch out of the backfield. What does that do to Aaron Jones' value this weekend? We're still playing him because of the ceiling, but I think the range of outcomes is a little greater now. The range of outcomes is definitely wider. Right now we have him as a top two value across um, all positions on on both sites. And I do think, like I mentioned before, him and Damian Williams are going to be the, uh, the chalk combination. Um, so it's not necessarily that I'm going to, to, to try to like pivot to Jamal Williams or anything, uh, cute like that. But if we look at, at the splits, Aaron Jones with and without Jamal Williams, they're pretty dramatic. So what it's probably just going to push me to do is have a couple of more of those contrarian builds that we talked about, uh, paying up for running back, paying up for Dalvin Cook or Derrick Henry. And again, I don't think uh, either of those guys will necessarily be in something like 30 or 40 percent of lineups, but maybe pushing up my total of like 25 percent exposure to each of those guys. Um, but I mean, it just it kind of only adds to my my thought that this just isn't really a stackable game 
on on either side i think it's a, a stack that you are probably going to be um more looking for one-offs again just because the two quarterback the two obvious quarterbacks lamar jackson and uh patrick mahomes should take up a huge percentage of your builds um and then i already mentioned that i like deshaun watson as another quarterback to be overweight on and i just like the way the 49ers um, attack sets up against that vikings defense so just kind of by default you can't be overweight on all of these guys you could obviously um you can make a case for Russell Wilson because he's been one of the most um, uh, efficient uh, quarterbacks, but uh, this just isn't a game that necessarily sets up to game stack. Hmm. So you don't like the little game stack here, so, but we will see some some Jones Williams backfield combos, right? Because that's always absolutely, a fun thing absolutely. Yeah, we like that. Uh, Devontae Adams. You talked about Tyreek Hill being the top owned wide receiver. DeAndre Hopkins will be in there, but. Devontae Adams, uh, I don't think there's anybody that's going to be able to take away the volume and the ceiling and everything else. I love Devontae Adams this week. Uh, why not use him as the late hammer? Absolutely. Uh, Seattle finished 24th in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. Uh, I think Devontae, Tyreek, and Hopkins will all be pretty close in terms of ownership uh, with those high price guys. Um, although I, I do think Hopkins will fall a little bit um, behind those guys. What I really like to do is because uh, someone like Tyreek is going to be so popular rather than like forcing a game stack here with Devontae, uh, maybe in my Jimmy Garoppolo lineups or in my Lamar Jackson lineups where I want to pay up for a wide receiver looking for Devontae instead of Tyreek or, um, or Nuke. Okay. So that's the wide receiver spot. Let's find some leverage here. What are we doing? We got, um, let, listen, DK Metcalf's going to be owned too, especially after last week. Mm -hmm. I wonder what that does to Tyler Lockett's ownership because to me, a lot of people are going to just pivot over to DK Metcalf, which will leave us a little more opportunity to gain slight leverage with Tyler Lockett. Do you agree yeah. that is that Lockett's ownership will be down a little bit because of Metcalf or am I talking out my ass? No, um, I actually, I so I think Lockett's ownership will be down relative to Metcalf, but because of just the way this slate is playing out, because so many people are going to be on the expensive quarterbacks, because I think Damian Williams um, is going to be chalk running back, because Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams will be the chalk pass catchers in this game, and because I think people are going to prioritize the stud tight ends this week, Kelsey Kittle and uh, and then Mark Andrews, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett are kind of priced in that like middle to high tier range, where I, I think the other popular players priced in a similar um, price point are just kind of going to push both of both of their ownerships down a little bit. Uh, so. I mean, I could see a scenario where even though Metcalf had a big game last week, like he only ends up in less than a quarter of lineups across the board and then lock it in, um, obviously, because he didn't have a big game in fewer lineups. But Metcalf, nine targets last week. Tyler Lockett, eight targets last week. Um, no playoff team has allowed more completions on deep balls than the Green Bay Packers. Uh, so I actually, I like Metcalf straight up, um, as a one-off play, but because of ownership, I will have exposure to, uh, to lock it quite a bit. Me too. I will have quite a bit of lock it this week and I hope he goes off. Um, anybody from the Green Bay side, we could throw a dart at, cause I don't know if Le Alan Lazard is a dart anymore, but he's definitely in play cause he's the number two passing option there. Well, remember what we talked about up top is that we don't need a 1% to a 5% own guy to take down a tournament. So Lazard, who saw at least 75% of snaps in each of the Packers' final three games, eight targets in the final two games, I think he's the obvious number two. But even if he ends up in 15% of lineups, um, he's just a leverage play on the very popular um, Aaron Jones, on the popular Devontae Adams. So you're getting a relatively low own uh, player um, in in an offense that uh, is projected to score uh, over three touchdowns, close to four touchdowns, and he's going to be a player that opens up salary for you, not going to be a player that you find in 25% of lineups. So he's just one of those. He's a, a low price play, isn't going to be super high owned. That's going to be, um, I mean, you would call him a contrarian play if you're looking at my, um, my, my entire player pool. But again, I just kind of have a few guys that I'm going to consider like dart throws or low own plays. And he fits into that mix. Very good. I like it. Um, tight end. Can we look 
really at this point at either team. Like Hollister's getting a little bit of work for the Packers all season long. You're going back to training camp. Aaron Rodgers, got to get Jimmy Graham involved. Got to get Jimmy Graham involved. Jimmy Graham? Anything? Again, like I said, my overwhelming majority of my lineups this week will be with the big three tight ends. Um, But on the short slate, I I don't think it'd be wise to not have exposure to another tight end. Seattle's one of three teams that allowed allowed over 1,000 yards to the tight end position this year. Uh, So Jimmy Graham is, if we're talking about my fourth tight end on the slate, it is Jimmy Graham. Um, And then I don't want, I mean, you didn't ask this, but I don't want any part of Seattle's backfield. There's, there's enough good running back spots where you're allowed to fade um, a position or, or a a position group. And that that's one that I'm definitely avoiding this week. Here's two guarantees for you. Okay. Remember this. So you can tell me how wrong I was next week. A, or one, I should say, Marshawn Lynch gets at least a dozen touches, at least mm-hmm. a dozen I think touches. That's fair. And B, Kirk Cousins is the guy that wins you the money. Oof. Yeah. Well, Oof. I mean, he he's going to um, be behind. He's going to be chucking and ducking. That's it. Hey, I I said I I, I like that that game to stack on on one side of it, but um, I mean, if if there is one to stack after uh, Texans and um, and Chiefs, I I actually think it's that one just because again I I said I don't like Seattle and um, and Green Bay as a team to stack, and then I just don't think the Titans have enough to make it a game to stack there. So again, that's uh, that's the one I'm looking at besides Texans and Chiefs. So it's not that far off. All right, last thing I want to talk about is the weather. Okay. Right now, forecasted for pretty consistent 16-mile-an-hour winds for that Ravens mm-hmm. game. Yep. Um, 15 is usually where I get a little concerned, but Lamar does most of his damage on the ground, so I'm not Both worried about do. it. Yep, exactly. You know, I'm, not, um, I'm not worried about that. And then, and then yeah, the other games will be cold. Who cares? Right. Seriously. It sounds like all the snow is supposed to happen before the game. Uh, so that shouldn't, I mean, and snow isn't even really that huge of concern. If anything, it helps the offense a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, I mean, there, it, I don't think we have any major weather concerns this week. Cold is cold. Cold is cold. And we're fine. It doesn't, there's no data that shows that you're going to score less. Right. It's like that. Maybe in the ice bowl. I don't know what the <laughs> ice bowl final score was though. So it doesn't really matter. It was a different game anyways. TJ, what else you got, buddy? Are we done? Uh, we are done for the divisional round. Uh, we'll be back next week. Um, we do have our fantasy sports conference next week, which we'll be both be attending. Yes. So, uh, podcast might be a day late, but we don't have, um, or a few hours late, but, uh, there's no games on Saturday. Uh, so we have content ready for you guys that are playing championship week. Only two games, obviously. Uh, if you are not a four for four member, you can sign up now with code DFS MVP. That'll get you 25% off the 2020 price. So you'll have access to DFS next season and we'll get you access to, uh, projections this week as well as next week, um, on the site and all content. And if you like what we're doing, go on iTunes, give us a nice five-star rating and review that always helps, uh, push the pod. And if you want more of us, you can follow us on Twitter. You got Holden at Holden Radio, myself at TJ Hernandez, and of course, 444 at 444 Football. We'll talk to you guys next week for the last time this season. Yo, I tell you the rest when I see you. Peace.